When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 55 of the podcast. And today, we're going to preview the 49ers Week 10 Monday Night Football primetime matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. Also, reports of Trey Lance regressing, and did John Lynch actually call out Fred Warner live on the radio yesterday, that being November 11th. Going to talk about all that, what that means for the team, and actually, is any of it true? But first, the 49ers finally said goodbye. They finally waved the white flag, you could say. They surrendered any hope that Jalen Hurd could return to the field. After a back fracture in 2019 that cost him the entirety of the season, after really an amazing preseason debut against the Cowboys, then a torn ACL in training camp, and a continuous rehab that has halted his entire NFL career, the Niners waived Jalen Hurd yesterday. The move will save them a little over a million dollars in 2022. So there is, I, I guess you could say, there is a good note where there's money saved, but... Ultimately, uh, a third-round pick that, well, I don't want to say wasted because you don't draft a player with the assumption they're going to be hurt or expect them to get hurt. Really, from 2019 to 2021, ultimately a waste of a third-round pick in, in the kindest sense of the word. Now, Jalen Hurd didn't take a single snap for the 49ers in the regular season. He, in fact, finished with as many receptions as Trent Baalke's worst first-round pick of all time, A.J. Jenkins, in 35 less snaps. And if you're wondering well, what number of receptions, how many catches did Jenkins have, the answer is zero. Jalen Hurd was as big of a non-factor as A.J. Jenkins. Now again... I want to offer my condolences to a certain extent to Jalen Hurd. The talent was immense. The potential was off the charts. Yet injuries derailed what should have been a player that would have been utilized to the extreme in a Kyle Shanahan offense. In fact, Kyle Shanahan drafted Jalen Hurd with a plan, with blueprint plans on how he wanted to use him. He wanted him to be his big-bodied slot receiver, his gadget tight end. He wanted the Debo Samuel running plays that we all love so much where 
In 2019, he's running by and spinning around defenders in Seattle and, and gashing a Green Bay defense in Santa Clara. Those, well, not all of them, those plays were initially designed for a guy like Jalen Hurd, who had experience being a running back, receiver, and tight end at Baylor in Tennessee. Now again, I am someone who saw Jalen Hurd as the ultimate Kyle Shanahan project pick. And when it comes to Jalen Hurd, he really was everything Kyle Shanahan desired in a player. Versatility. The ability to fill every single role he needed in the offense. But now it's time to say goodbye. They finally cut their ties with a player who just could never stay healthy. There were reports that, well, he was sprinting on the sideline. And I said that was good news. <laughs> Whenever a player like Hurd was seen sprinting on the sideline, it gave fans optimism. It gave me optimism that this guy might eventually, whatever eventually is, get on the field. And I I firmly believe that eventually he might. Now, it's hard to firmly believe in a might, but maybe it's more of a hope. That I want to see Jalen Hurd battle back. I want to see Jalen Hurd recover. I don't care who he plays for as long as it ain't the Seahawks or the Rams. <laughs> but I want to see Jalen Hurd play. Everything he's been through. Every injury, every setback. Like, this fan base bullied him off of social media. This fan base, well, I won't say made because each person is in charge of their own actions and and what they do, but they were a large factor in him deactivating Instagram, deactivating Twitter when he tore his ACL. This fan base, or part of it, of course, not all of it, was so ruthless to him that he felt the need to deactivate Instagram. And I would love to know his perspective from the injuries to the fan base. Because it's never really a player's fault you get hurt. This isn't, you know, Hunter Strickland, Devin Williams in the playoffs punching walls and breaking their arms and costing their team. This is not that. This is a player whose own body let them down. Whose own body, by no fault of their own, let them down. I'm sure it's mentally exhausting for him. Physically exhausting. Surgery after surgery. Injury after injury. I mean, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo. And how he felt. And how he voiced his frustration where this happens all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm sure Jalen Hurd feels, if not more so, at least very similar to that. And so my heart goes out to Jalen Hurd. I want to see Jalen Hurd play again. I would love to see the Jets pick him up. Robert Sala, Mike LaFleur, have one of their former third-round picks come into their organization and be their reclamation project. Cheap one, two-year deal, rehab on the sideline. You have There's no loss in picking, picking up a player like that. No loss at all. And so I I do hope Jalen Hurd gets another chance for everything he's been through. At least let him see the field one time. Realize his dream one time. So Jalen Hurd, 
now released by San Francisco, now waived by San Francisco, is always going to be a what-could-have-been for the Niners. Let's move on to another topic today, and that is John Lynch made quite the headline on KNBR yesterday, November 11th, and there's been a lot of questions, and even I have questions. I've talked about the leadership. Who is that one guy this team can rally behind? John Lynch was called in prior to the Bears game to talk to the team, to motivate the team. It worked. Now, to how much, we don't know that. The Niners are a better team than Chicago, so they should have won that game anyways. But motivation is a very key part in sports. And the questions around the team have been leadership-centered. They have not been play-centered for at least the last week or so. It's been, who is a leader in this locker room? Who is someone we can point to to turn this thing around? And I think many of us would say, well, you have Fred Warner, you have Trent Williams, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo... All these guys, all all these veteran guys in positions you look for to lead. And that's what KNBR asked him. I believe it was Tom Tolbert, that's who asked him. He asked him, are the right kind of leaders in the building to call out unacceptable play or behavior? And Lynch listed George Kittle, Lynch listed Trent Williams. He talked about the need to be on the field and playing. He talked about guys who work their A-double-S's off and are examples on the field and off the field to look at for motivation. But he also gave an example of Fred Warner that many people in the fan base have taken as John Lynch calling him out. Let's hear that clip from John Lynch on KNBR. I'm not sure that's happened this year. The accountability part, you know, just there's a standard and, uh, now, in order to do that, you got to be out there yourself. You got to be producing it, and more than talk, it's just about action, you know. But guys are different in terms of are they guys who want to assert themselves, and so I think we're finding that. I, I think our traditional guys, you know, Fred is, is very much that guy. Um, Fred's not having the season thus far that that he expects or we expect, and you know, sometimes I think you get a big contract, you got a lot going on in your mind, you probably try to do a little too much, and uh, probably needs to zero in and 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 just focus on on his job. And so, you know, yes, leadership and all that, but at some point you also got to get your job done. That's a big part of it. Well, John Lynch saying a lot in about 50 seconds of work. Now I can be honest with you and say I edited out the parts where Lynch talks about Trent Williams and George Kittle simply for time. Uh, Nothing he said was taken out of context, but I wanted to make it as clear and pinpoint what the fan base is going crazy about. And at least every single time Shanahan and a player and Lynch talks, the question again seems to become, where is the leadership? But every single time they talk, the answer seems to be, we don't have a leadership problem. It's not a leadership problem. We need to just play better on the field. And I... At least it seems, again, there's that word again, that the Niners do not believe it is a leadership issue. It is a strictly on-the-field playing issue. Listen to these guys talk. Shanahan Lynch, we have leaders in the building. Juszczyk talked about, look, yes, Shanahan and, and John Harbaugh are different leaders. Those are the coaches I've played for, but 
they are leaders. We have guys in this building. You know, Juszczyk listed Trent and Jimmy and Warner and Kittle and himself as and Jimmy Ward, who he said was a more vocal leader this year. They've listed guys who are leaders on and off the field. So this doesn't seem like they believe it's a leadership issue. Now, again, I am not in that building. None of us are in that building. We don't know what those conversations are like. We have no idea what it looks like. The only thing we can you know, take for as an example is the outside. What do we see on Sundays? What do we see in press conferences? What do we see on radio? And it, nothing, again, like, they're not pointing fingers here. Like, John Lynch calling out Fred Warner, I think, is an example of play. He's not calling him out for being a bad leader by any means. But do we think that's right? Is there an actual real problem with leadership? Is John Lynch's calling out Fred Warner a valuable form of leadership? Airing out, I don't want to say dirty laundry, but calling out one of his best players who, by all means, has not had a good year. Fred Warner knows this. John Lynch literally said it. That Warner's not having the year that we thought he would have, that he thought he would have. But is there this kind of false sense of leadership in the building? People were saying, well, Lynch is pointing fingers because his job's on the line. It's not. John Lynch is not getting fired. Kyle Shanahan's not getting fired. Like, if you want that, that's all, all power to you. It's not happening. It's not. Like, end of discussion, they're not getting fired. Unless something crazy happen happens. And things come out. It's not happening. And while I do not like what John Lynch did, you don't want to air out a player you just paid big money to. You don't want to air out someone who you believe is the captain of your defense. But here's the thing. And this is why I do not think this is that big of a deal. One, I'm sure John Lynch and Fred Warner have had these conversations. I'm sure Fred Warner, and I've heard Fred Warner talk about the this in press conferences. I'm not having the season I thought I thought I would. Now again, if my boss went on a different radio station or uh, to his friends or to higher ups or to other people who their opinions could sway my future or sway uh, the outlook on myself and told them I wasn't doing my job correctly, I I wouldn't like that. And so I think Fred Warner has every right to be like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> like, like you just paid me big money and now you're calling me out in the media. But there's always a door, always a window we don't look through. Of, I'm sure they've had these conversations. I'm sure that this is nothing new to Lynch and Warner. Now that doesn't mean I like it by any means. I don't. I would rather him go, oh, we have guys like Tran and, and Kittle, and just end it there. There's no need to call out Fred Warner. But what this does sound like, despite me thinking it's not that big of a deal, it's a call to action. It's to light a fire under someone who you think their burner hasn't been burning as bright. It's, hey, we paid you big money. Now play like it. And now, 
I don't like, again, I don't like the way he went about it. I don't. But maybe this is the final push to get that message across. You know, again, how many times have they had that conversation? How many meetings have Warner and Lynch and Shanahan and Demeco Ryan's been in? I'm sure Warner knows this. And I'm sure they know Warner a lot better than we do. They drafted him. They scouted him. They have coached him since 2018. They know Fred Warner a lot better than we do. They trust him enough to give him big money. This move, maneuver, whether you like it or not, is a move to light a fire under Warner's butt. You just got called out in front of the media. You were scrutinized. Now, go prove me wrong. Now, I don't like that. I I don't like that at all. But there are many different ways to motivate a player. Maybe the way you handled Jimmy is different than Fred. Jimmy seems to like personal phone calls. This is the plan. This is what we're going to do. Kittle may like getting screamed at. Who knows? I know we don't. (laughs) And so... Again, while I do not like the way he went about things, and I do think Lynch is wrong in this case in regards to how he went about it, I do not think the crux of what he's trying to do is bad. I just think the way he got there is not a very wise one. The last thing you want to do is have your boss be calling you out on the air. A player couldn't do that to a head coach or a GM. And so you, you create this weird power dynamic there. But and, and again, Lynch is the boss, so it is what it is. But no one would want that. And so, I, again, I, I'm going to assume if there's any bad blood, Warner and Lynch are going to talk about it and, and put it under the bridge. And I'm sure Lynch, like Shanahan did this past offseason, would apologize to Warner immediately. Shanahan called Garoppolo instantly after the press conference where he said, well, I'm not sure he was going to be alive on Sunday. Like, and he apologized because they care about these guys. And by any means, by no means, did I think John Lynch tried to call out Fred Warner. Or at least do it in a negative way. And so, no, this is not that big of a deal. Because... The way Lynch and Shanahan handle themselves, how they handle that locker room, at least from a personal perspective of, like, we're friends, we're tight-knit, we're close, how they can handle emotions, are pretty good. And if this gets out of hand, or, or Warner was offended by it, John Lynch would humble himself, he would apologize, he would say I was wrong, and Lynch would also address that in the media. He would. Just like Shanahan did. Because they feel for these players. They love these players. They've invested in these players. And they believe in these players. So I do not think that this is really that big of a deal. But again, I would not have gone about it the right way. And I think one of the big takeaways that many people are kind of discussing is, well, is this an example of a general manager who... I don't want to say he's worried, but a little frantic who is scrambling to find the answer, scrambling to do what's right, doing anything possible to get this team back on track. 
and using any tactic to do so. And I think that's what this was. And while maybe not scrambling or, you know, worried to a certain degree, I think Lynch is trying to do whatever it takes to make this season work. To steer the ship back on track. And so, that's what I'll chalk this up to. A GM trying to get the best out of a player just went about it in the wrong way. And knowing John Lynch and how him and Shanahan have handled themselves, if it's a problem, they'll apologize. And they'll do it in the media. And they'll say, my bad, that's on me. Shouldn't have done that. End of story. That's really what this was. It's not a big deal. I do not like the way they went about it. I think it was wrong. But again, maybe that works for Fred Warner. Maybe it does. But the other big story from yesterday, besides Jalen Hurd getting cut, besides Lynch calling out Fred Warner in the media, was the Niners' opponent on Monday. The Los Angeles Rams, after trading for Von Miller prior to the trade deadline, they went and they signed Odell Beckham Jr., And it's another move that had the fan base hissing and hawing. Well, why didn't we get Odell? You only signed for $4 million. Why could... Like, we don't have that money? And and to put it bluntly, shut up. Stop. It's just not about money. The Odell Beckham signing in Los Angeles and the decline to entertain him as a viable free agent option from the San Francisco 49ers perspective had nothing to do about money. Odell Beckham Jr. did not want to be a 49er in 2021. Now Lynch, in the same interview, did say that in 2018, Odell Beckham Jr. said, bring me here, I want to come here. But essentially, and all those people who are like, wow, we missed our opportunity, you realize the New York Giants wanted the number 12 overall pick. Essentially, the New York Giants wanted Nick Bosa for Odell Beckham Jr. You tell me who you want right now. I will let that sit there in your mind. Who do you want right now? Odell Beckham Jr. or Nick Bosa? Okay. I think I know your answer because it's the same one I have. It's Nick Bosa. I am not mad Odell Beckham Jr. is not a 49er. Now, of course, seeing what he can do in Los Angeles, the potential is limitless. Sean McVay's offense is probably the best place for him as a player. Now, it hurts knowing that we may have to play that on Monday and we'll eventually have to play it again later in the year. But this is an example of having to strike when the iron is hot. And for those fans who are complaining, why couldn't we get Odell? We need Odell. We don't need Odell. We don't. Odell didn't want to come here. But everything you're complaining or or maybe are saying, well, look what the Rams are doing. They don't have their picks. They don't need their picks. They have all these stars. Yeah, the Rams are striking when the iron is hot. They they are seven and two. One game back in their division. I believe they're one, maybe two games back 
in the entire NFC as a number one seed, they are getting players to eventually make that deep playoff run to hopefully secure the number one seed and eventually, hopefully, win a Super Bowl. They're striking when the iron's hot. They tried to bring in Josh Reynolds, a former Ram, and sign OBJ and trade for Von Miller. They're doing everything they can to, to, to make 2021 their year. They're going all in. All in. But that's exactly what the Niners did in 2019. They traded for D Ford. They traded midseason for Emmanuel Sanders. They traded or, or signed, excuse me, they signed K1 uh Quan Alexander. The Niners tried to strike when the iron was hot. And they were almost there. Nine minutes away. But those same things that fans want them to do, that go out and get the big name player. Those are the same things that are hurting the team now. D Ford. They had to trade Quan Alexander. Jason Verrett. George Kittle is often hurt, and I and I do love Kittle, don't get me wrong. McGlinchey. He's out for the season now. Trading for Emmanuel Sanders only for him to walk in a year. The Niners struck when the iron was hot, and they failed. And when you strike when the iron's hot, it comes back to bite you. Now here's the difference. It just comes down to the players they acquired. Von Miller, OBJ, one-year deals for the Rams. That's the difference. The Niners didn't trade for a player... And just had him for a one year. They re-signed them to four or five year contracts immediately. D. Ford, Quan Alexander. Maybe the one player they should have brought back, Emmanuel Sanders, they didn't. Again, it's all about who you acquire. Mostly hurt players, that's who San Francisco acquired. But look at the Rams. No first round pick, no second round pick, no third round pick. They are going to be a team reliant on striking when the iron's hot for a long time. And with that said, they're then going to be reliant on that. And it'll eventually crumble. That's how these things work. They crumble. They last two years and they fall apart. The Rams were not that good last year, really. They had a banged-up Jared Goff and happened to beat Seattle in the playoffs. Luckily, luckily with the backup quarterback. The Rams were really not that good in 2019. They were not who we were battling late in the year in Seattle for the NFC West Division. The Rams' last really good year was 2018. They took, I don't want to say a three-year hiatus, but they took some time off to recoup, to get better, to reestablish themselves. In my opinion, that is what San Francisco's doing. It's hard to win every single year. But here's the thing with OBJ and why the Niners did not sign him, why he did not want to come here. Success leads to opportunity. 
And in 2020, in 2021, the Niners have had no success, and it's led to zero opportunity. Look who they re-signed this offseason. They didn't bring in any big-name free agents outside of Alex Mack, who's 35 and has experience in Shanahan's system. They were heavily reliant on bringing back guys on one-year deals. Tart, Verrett, re-signing Juszczyk to big money, re-signing Trent Williams to big money, and I like those moves in Juszczyk and, and, and Williams, but reliant on injury-riddled players for one-year deals because they could not bring in big money free agents. Not because Jimmy's contract, not because they didn't have the money, because no one wants to come here right now. Again, right now, San Francisco is a one-year wonder. That's who they are. And players like Kyle Shanahan, they really do. But if you're not successful, you don't get the opportunity to sign a trade for a big-name player. This ain't baseball where you're moving around big stars and the Rockies get Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. This isn't that. This is football. Players got maybe three years max or in, in to make it in this league. And if they're at the top of their game, they ain't playing for a sorry franchise who ain't won nothing in a long time. They ain't doing that. It's why OBJ left New York. It's why big-name players leave small-market teams. It's why Matthew Stafford has flourished in L.A. It's why Calvin Johnson retired playing for sorry franchises, poorly run franchises. It's why stars prior to Baker and Miles Garrett in Cleveland went to die with the dog pound. Their careers died in Cleveland. And I'm not comparing the Niners to Cleveland, but... Like John Lynn said, we have to earn that right to sign big-name free agents. And you may not like that he was honest there, but that's true. You have to earn the right. You have to prove to players you're a viable option for them to be successful in this league. Especially guys who are later in their career. Guys like an OBJ who have been to New York and Cleveland made big money. Kyle Shanahan's system is not enough. It's not enough to bring in big-name guys anymore. You have to win to get guys like OBJ. And I didn't even want him. I did not even want Odo Beckham Jr. But it's players of his stature. You have to win for guys like that to want to come here. That's why in 2018, 2019, OBJ said, bring me here. He saw the potential. It's very hard for players to look at a 3-5 and five team, a 3-6 and six team, and go, yeah, I want to go there. They have potential. <laughs> no, they're not saying that. What they're saying is, keep me as far away from there as you possibly can. It's why guys don't want to go to the Jets unless they pay out and give them the biggest contract possible. The Niners didn't earn the right to sign OBJ. They haven't earned the right to sign big-name free agents in a long time. The last one that I can really think of that they've signed in free agency, outside of re-signing their own players, guys who had been there for a year, 
It's been a really long time since they brought in the big name guy. Richard Sherman, maybe, but off an injury. Past the prime in his career. It really hasn't been a big name free agent that they've brought in. Maybe Dante Whitner? That's kind of the last big one. Justin Smith, maybe? There really hasn't been a big name guy. Kyle Juszczyk might be, but he's a fullback. They're not signing big name free agents, and they haven't for a really long time because they had not have sustained success. And that's what provides the opportunity to have the ability to sign guys like OBJ, to sign big name free agents. Again, Kyle Shanahan's scheme is not enough. You cannot run on the merit of, we have Kyle Shanahan. He's not enough. Despite his success, not enough. And that brings us to this Rams game on Monday. And if you're like many Niner fans, and I think I would align with you, you think this game could get ugly really fast. Really fast. And I wouldn't blame you at all. Not one bit. The Rams have the second most points scored, the second most yards in football, and the third most total touchdowns. Their passing offense is the best in football. And while this Niners team just got ran through by Colt McCoy and Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk and James frickin' Connor, let me tell you, this Rams team is healthy and just signed a couple free agents, just traded for a all-pro edge rusher who will make his Rams debut in prime time against the 49ers. Not to mention, Mike McGlinchey's out for the year. Plenty of other guys are hurt as well. Michael Hasty, probably not going to play. Now, that might be for the benefit of the team, but still. Mohamed Sanu, likely not going to play. Maurice Hurst, likely not going to play. Dre Fitzpatrick, Tavon Wilson, both injured as well. So, cornerbacks looking like Josh Norman, Mayo Mosley, Ambry Thomas, Dante Johnson, and Diamador Lenore. That's kind of what we got right now. We might get Jimmy Ward back. There is potential there. But... There's three cornerbacks, three all three starting cornerbacks outside of K1 Williams, who is the nickelback, are hurt. Mosley neck, Norman ribs, Fitzpatrick ankle, all hurt. Your two starting or your, your two free safeties both did not practice yesterday. The Niners are not healthy, <laughs> and they're going against the best passing offense in football, arguably the best offense in general in football. The passing offense, most yards, second most touchdowns, fourth most attempts. They've allowed the fifth least amount of sacks this year. Cooper Cup is the most targeted receiver in the NFL. This game is going or could potentially look like the Packers game 
But if San Francisco plays the way they did in that first half, which the offense to me in San Francisco has looked better had it not been for a few fumbles. And I talked about this last week where if they don't fumble the football, Kittle and Ayuk, the Niners are in that game. That final drive actually matters. And that game is coached differently. So I do think the Niners offense can keep them in this game, but this game comes down to the defense. And that's what separates this team mightily, mightily. The Rams defense this year, the most sacks in football, second most interceptions, and the sixth most turnovers. Their passing defense, again, has struggled, just like against the Bears and the Cardinals, This game is going to be reliant on Jimmy Garoppolo. Can Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Rams? Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Bears. He played phenomenal in that game. Now now he's Jimmy G. He makes mistakes. We know that. But Jimmy Garoppolo also played well enough to beat the Cardinals had it not been for his skill position players making those mistakes. The Rams passing defense, the third most passing attempts against, the second most completions allowed, the 10th most yards allowed. But here's the kicker. They allow the 31st amount of touchdowns in football. So the second lowest amount, they only allowed 10 touchdowns in 2021. They'll give you the entire field, but they are not going to let you in the end zone. They are just outside the top 10 against the run, and if Elijah Mitchell's banged up, that's an issue. Now, who is Jeff Wilson Jr. this far into his rehab? We don't know yet. John Lynch said Trey Sermon will likely get touches. A running back who's getting inconsistent play usually does not flourish. Again, the Rams are outside the top 10, just barely, against the run. They're also a top 10 red zone defense. They'll let you in the red zone, but you're not getting touchdowns when you get there. Which is funny because the Niners are a team that doesn't get to the red zone often, but when they do get there, they're the best red zone offense in football. So there are areas where San Francisco can win this game. But that is going to be reliant on Jimmy Garoppolo and how well they can execute when they get to the red zone. Can they limit turnovers? The Rams get that ball. They seek the ball. They ball hawk on defense. And if San Francisco continues to make mistakes like INTs, In fumbles, this game will get ugly quickly. Not to mention that Mike McGlinchey is done for the year. Jalen Moore and Tom Compton, Daniel Brunskill, a combination of those guys, will fill the right side of the offensive line. Talk about a disaster waiting to happen. The Sniders team has the odds stacked against them in every which way. They're a bad passing defense. We saw it last week. 
They can't tackle. Can barely play coverage. And the Rams have the second best offense in football. The number one passing offense in the NFL. This Again, this game is going to be a what could have been for San Francisco. Imagine the 2021 Rams playing the 2019 Niners. Talk about a game. Unfortunately, this isn't who they are anymore. This is a game of, this is who we thought we'd be, but the reality is the Niners stink. And now they play well enough to beat the Cardinals outside of the fumbles. And I do think, again, the offense was humming, playing much better. Jimmy's playing his best football he has in forever. And they're wasting it. And on Monday, excuse me, against the Rams, this game is going to be heavily reliant on Jimmy Garoppolo playing efficient, consistent football. He is going to be the key to winning this game. Just like he's played the last two weeks. If he continues to play that well, and the Niners can limit turnovers, they have a chance. They really do. Their passing offense can lead them to a victory. But it's the small things. The really small things. And I I think the most interesting thing about the entire matchup is it's Matthew Stafford and Santa Clara uh, for the first time since the offseason where Shanahan openly talked about wanting to acquire him with Sean McVay on a podcast uh, with, with Peter Schrager. And it's going to make fans upset. Because despite how well Garoppolo is playing, people are going to say, we should have got Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, oh my god. And and, and Stafford's a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's been a top five guy all year. With McVay. And you can tell he he, he has that swagger back, right? He feels like a a five-year vet Matthew Stafford slinging it around the field. He has his receiver number one. And now has really a receiver two and three in Woods and OBJ. But it's interesting that even if Garoppolo, and I promise you this, I promise you, even if Garoppolo goes out there and balls out, there will be people saying, man, this is why we should have got Matthew Stafford when it, there's no relevance there. None. I promise you that. I, if it doesn't happen, I will be, just, my mind will be blown if the fan base, even if Jimmy plays well, goes out there, 300 yards, two touchdowns, has the Niners then 10 points, even if that happens, this fan base will still say, man, Matthew Stafford, oh, this is why we should have got Stafford and created Garoppolo when there's no relevance there. Like This fan base is just pissing on itself. They really are. They're telling on themselves every single week. The conversation still remains of how bad Garoppolo is, despite him playing his best football. The the envy of, could have had Matthew Stafford when our quarterback is playing his best football. Relish in that. The question should be, why can't we capitalize on that? He threw for 300 yards in back-to-back weeks, and we are 1-1. One one because the defense let us down. Because... Our guys, George Kittle, who we're paying big money to, fumbled the football. Sit on Jimmy. 
And even if they lose on Monday and Jimmy balls out, there will still be people complaining. But even if Stafford plays mediocre and Jimmy plays okay and they have equal stat lines, maybe. Or even if Stafford has 320 yards and two touchdowns and even in a pick. I, I do wonder, I do wonder just seeing his face in Levi Stadium, I wonder if that makes Shanahan a little upset of, I'm jealous. I'm upset that you got him and I didn't. You got the guy that I wanted, Sean McVay. I do wonder if Shanahan, who is a stubborn person, I wonder if he's also a jealous person. But I do think Shanahan, who has a... a I believe he is 6-0 against the Rams since 2019. Or 4-0, excuse me. I do wonder if he goes balls to the wall on Sunday. Uses that motivation of... You got the guy that I wanted. I'm going to beat you with the guy who we wanted to cast away. Who we, who we wanted to trade away. I'm going to beat you with that guy. I'm going to shove it down your throat. Now you think you're the number one seed in football. The best offensive football. I'm going to show you what I can do with a an above average quarterback. I'm going to show you what I can do. But this game comes down to defense. Can the defense stop the Rams offense. Because if it was Niners offense against Rams offense, well, things aren't equal by any means. It's, I do think San Francisco has a good enough offense to win this game. I really do. But it comes down to that it ain't offense against offense, it's offense against defense, and the Rams have a far better defense that can stop the Niners offense, which has been highly inconsistent all year despite having good quarterback play the last two weeks and the Rams have been arguably I think they are the most consistent passing offense in football high powered I don't know who was going to guard Cooper Cup but I'd double that guy all game he has the most targets in football this year if there's one guy you got to stop don't let him beat you it's Cooper Cup He's 103 targets over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. He has almost 300 more yards of yak than any other player on the roster. He has six more touchdowns. He averages 50 more yards a game than any other player on the Rams offense. If there's a guy you cannot let beat you, it is... Cooper Cup. But that brings us to the guy that Kyle Shanahan did pick. We talked about Matthew Stafford and how that's the guy Shanahan wanted. Let's talk about the guy that he did pick, who is there now in San Francisco. That being Trey Lance. Now, Mike Silver of the NFL Network reported that there there was some concerns, some talk some reports that Trey Lance had to regress, that he lost his confidence during camp. 
that he had a good few weeks and kind of fell, fell off. He tailed off towards the end of training camp. Albert Breer also reported the same thing. So you have two reports from large media presences. Two guys who are well-respected amongst NFL media reporting the same thing. You can argue where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, Kyle Juszczyk was asked, hey, did Trey Lance lose his confidence? Like, was that a true report coming out recently? And Juszczyk said, no. Trey Lance is one of the most confident quarterbacks, one of the most confident rookies I've ever seen. So, two NFL media reporters saying he lost his confidence, one player saying no, saying the exact opposite, actually. He's the most confident quarterback rookie I've ever seen. Then Kyle Shanahan was asked the same thing, and he said, well, he had a good first week, and a good second week, and a good fourth week, and a bad third week. All these things, like, of course, you go through highs and lows. He didn't, but he didn't lose his confidence. He regresses, I guess you could say, where he has two good weeks in a row, and then you compare him to those two good weeks for months, and then he tails off in the, the end of the month. And so he regressed, but it's regression compared to that really high first two games. And this is the one thing that I talked about all training camp, all preseason. And if you've been here since then, you know this. Trey Lance had the flashy plays. The plays where the fan base, including myself, said, man, it's going to be hard not to play that guy. What, what he can do, the potential is off the charts. But I, myself, said, but that's kind of all he's done. Just a bunch of flashy plays. The confidence is there. He's taking shots downfield. That's great. But 50 comp percentage, couple erratic throws on the ground. Then the conversation became, well, he needs more reps. And I don't disagree there. He does. He should get in the tray packages, you could say. But this idea of regression, and again, I'm not at practice. I'm not in that room. And this is the one thing I've been trying to convey to people. We do not know what they see from him. We don't know what he's doing on a day-to-day basis. We don't see him in the locker room. We don't see him in watching tape. We have no idea what they're trying to do with him first. Maybe it's a mental thing with him first. And the report from Silver said that they were blown away by how much he learned the playbook. They wanted to open the playbook more to him. He's a very smart kid. A very, very smart kid. One of the reasons why I wanted them to pick him. Extremely smart, gifted, physically and mentally. But now we're, what, 10 weeks into the season, and he's regressed. Well, at what point were you grading him on? Were you grading him on big plays against the Chiefs and against the Chargers? Against the Raiders, maybe? Were you grading him on the Cardinals game? Or were you grading him on being a 21-year-old rookie who opted out of the year because of COVID? Are you grading him on the idea that San Francisco probably knows best 
and is utilizing him to his potential or his current state as a quarterback. He needs to fix the footwork. He needs to learn the playbook. Kyle Shanahan talks about when he's ready, he will play. And had Jimmy not been healthy enough to play against the Colts, and had Lance not hurt his knee against the Cardinals, Shanahan said he would have started against the Colts. And maybe that game has changed. Maybe they win that game. They probably do win that game. Because what Lance can do is so different, and it the the weather, the the climate of that game would have favored Lance and his play at that point. But I think the conversation isn't, or shouldn't be, well, he's lost his confidence, he's regressed. It's, no, that there's a plan in place. Shanahan and Lynch have said, we have a plan. And I, 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 I know fans are clamoring and pounding the table, but we have no idea what they're working on him with. Is it playbook-centric? Is it footwork-centric? They could see things we don't. They may have got him and said, wow, he's better than we thought mentally, but he's worse than we thought physically. There are things we need to clean up before we throw him to the Lions. If he was supposed to play, be the starter, he would have already been there. And I get 3-5, and five, it makes you want to see Lance more. I get that conversation. But he didn't lose confidence. He got hurt. Couldn't play. Jimmy's playing well enough the last two weeks. Lance shouldn't have played. But I hate the conversation is now becoming, I know more than Lynch and Shanahan and those coaches. No, you don't. Neither do I. No one does. They see more things on a day-to-day basis than we see from Trey Lance. There isn't stubbornness of, I don't want to start the kid. He's 21. We have Jimmy. He's not ready. Now, there's a point where you have to let go of the he's not ready label and toss him out there because you're 3-6, and 3-7, and seven, and he has to play. And I... And I said he'll play week 11. If they lose this week, that was my preseason pick. He'll play against Jacksonville week 11. He'll be healthy again. It's against a bad team. It can be a get-right game, and you can rattle off three to four wins in a row and get yourself back up to 500 and build that confidence. And Jimmy's played well enough where I do think his trade value is reestablished. This quarterback class is really bad. Big Ben stinks. Washington has no quarterback. There are plenty of teams who will need a Jimmy G in the offseason. Plenty of teams, and not many quarterbacks are changing hands. Daniel Jones stinks. There are plenty of teams who will want Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's played well enough against a fairly good Cardinals defense, against the Bears defense, almost beat the Steelers, who I think are at least a well-respected team amongst the NFL. Where Jimmy's trade value is there again. may not be a first-round pick. It's a third or second-round pick, where it should be. But when Lance 
will play, that comes down to when Shanahan believes he's ready. He has not regressed. He didn't lose confidence. You know what happened? He played three weeks in the preseason, and then we didn't see him at all. That's what happened. We stopped seeing him. He stopped talking. That's the difference. This is speculative things. Just like the, well, the Niners and Patriots talked trade for Garoppolo, and the Niners said no to a first-round pick. That's not even what happened. Speculation. That's what that was. It was informal discussions from people on the team, on the the coaching staff, scouts, not even like real conversations. They were, hey, what do you want for Jimmy? I don't know. Keep eating your sandwich. That's pretty much what it was. Speculation is all this is. Lance will play when he's ready and when this team is out of the playoff conversation. That is a fact. That is what we know. It's what Shanahan has said. That is exactly what will happen. Lance and Shanahan have both said, well, at a certain point, he's got to play. And they both have said, well, when the playoff hopes are gone, that's when we'll see him. Well, guess what? That may be this week. They could also not be this week. If the Vikings lose, and the Cardinals lose, and the Cowboys lose, and the Eagles lose, and the Falcons lose, San Francisco is in the exact same spot they are now. They've won three games. They may only have to win eight to make the wild card. We, we may not see Kirk Cousins, or excuse me, we may not see Trey Lance until week 16, 15. Who knows? When that time comes, you'll know. It'll be abundantly clear to everybody, including Shanahan, including the team, including Garoppolo. It's time. But the speculation of he lost his confidence, he regressed, is not true. You just didn't hear from him in two months. And an anonymous team executive said, that, this, that if you know what that means in journalism, you know that means absolutely nothing. It's one person's opinion on a player. Well, the thought amongst many non-named sources is this. You know what that means? They teach you something in journalism that non-named sources are not sources. Now, sometimes players want to leak stuff to the media, and that's fine, but they tell you. I've sat in many journalism classes. I have my degree in this. Non-named sources are not valid sources. That's what they teach you in the classroom. So, don't lose your mind. This fan base does not know better than the head coach, than the GM, than these coaches. People who are not in that building do not know what's going on. They do not. And the only answers, the only people we should be listening to, players, Shanahan, and Lynch. Those are the only opinions that matter. Because those are the only opinions, the only people that can make this team get back to their winning ways, and also the only people that will allow Trey Lance to play.
when the time comes, it'll happen. It will likely not be this week against the Rams. It may be next week against the Jaguars, but not this week. It will not be this week. You may see plays, but this week, if they lose, and the Vikings win, and the Falcons win, you might see that tide start to turn. You will know when it does. That being said, my prediction for Monday night, Rams-Niners is 33-23, Rams win. They are better offensively and defensively on both sides of the ball. I do think the Niners play well enough to be in this game late, to be able to show off a little bit, to show that, look, they are a viable offense. But their defense, I believe, will ultimately fail them like they did against the Cardinals. So 33-23, that's what I think think the score will be on Monday night against the Rams. But just find out who's going to play. Who's active? Who's inactive? Is Trey Lance going to play? Who's starting at quarterback? Who knows? To know all that stuff, you are going to want to follow us on social media at 49ers. Access, Twitter, 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett, and until next time, stay faithful.